0: know how Elliot does his things he listens to the beginning he's
1: like what the fuck do I do with this and I'm like I don't know just cut something
0: start it where you feel whatever feels right whatever (laughs) feels right
1: (laughs) but yeah you can introduce the podcast whenever you want
0: okay um I've never I don't think I've introduced the podcast before as I started this (laughs) no you, that's your new thing now you introduce the podcast it's my new thing now but i don't think i've ever done it i think i've just been like okay Haley, introduce the podcast
1: nope i'm leaving it up to you now uh, your fuck. responsibility i'm
0: I'm a big girl now yep. um this is crime culture i almost yeah. said my name is crime culture um, it which is it's not which it's not not legally anyway um it, my legal name is caitlin caitlin mahar and that yeah, one over there let's give him your social security number too <laughs> <laughs> 067 no. Um <laughs> Um That's Haley. Hey. You you wanna you wanna introduce yourself? Can I can you at least I, do that? I for won't
1: me? I won't have to give my full legal name and social security number and address. What but is yeah, your I'm full here. legal
0: name now? Is it is it langen It's redacted. Is it oh okay. That's a that's an interesting name. What is that? Norwegian? It's uh whatever you want it to say. <laughs> whatever feels right i was gonna say that's the theme of today (laughs) apparently is just fucking whatever feels right
1: yeah oh jesus as i hit everything well today is a special episode not only because we're done talking about columbine (laughs) thank god but also thank you you everybody for like the very kind words yes a lot of like really great response so supportive three rough episodes um but it's a lot more lighthearted today, as lighthearted as a true crime podcast can be. But you know, we're celebrating a birthday today.
0: Yeah, like you know, it's it's me. Yeah, I, I, I was born. As my sister texted me on my birthday, mom and dad banged, and now you're here. And I was like, it's "Fucking thank you, you for that." I was like, "Thank you so much for that." And then, and then, uh, for those who don't know, my sister's adopted, and she said something like, "I wouldn't know." <laughs>
1: Oh Jesus!
0: <laughs> and I was like, "Please stop! Please just don't." I think no. I just texted you hap birth." I think you did, and I think you spelled it with an F, if I remember berf. correctly. "Birth." "Hat hat birth."
1: That's berf. about as
0: as uh, sentimental as I got. I mean, if it makes you feel better, as sentimental as my mother got was telling me, "Little did I know, 27 years ago, how much money you would cost me." So, <laughs> I mean not wrong but also there's a time and a place not incorrect but also could this maybe have been done on may 8th (laughs) could this could this have waited um but yeah so we
1: usually try to do something like personally related on our birthdays just as a little like palette cleanser from some of the rough stuff we've been talking about so what
0: are we doing this year for your birthday well um no um so today, for this episode, we had a lovely idea from Camilla, our, our listener, our illustrious listener that many of you have heard the name of Love. before, um, which was to talk about crimes in our birth state. Birth state. Okay. Birth right. state. Did you, did you not know that the, that was what was going on today? <laughs> My birthday's not till November. I don't have to know. Oh, okay. That's fair. That makes sense. All right all Go right ahead. fine um so that's what we're doing and i think we actually said that we were going to do something else but i don't know that's what's happening that's what's happening now camilla took the reins and we're just happy to let somebody else be in charge for a change let's do it so your birth state is for anyone who doesn't know oh it's connecticut i live in california now i got out i escaped i'm okay but for quite a time for about a quarter of a century i was in connecticut
1: i mean i can think of like as soon as you say connecticut i think i can think of at least five like right off the bat like big ones
0: i i had i i started to make a list of ones i knew before i started to research and i got to three i think okay We'll see how many i know yeah yeah but there's i had to google and i found some interesting ones i found some i found some cool ones um who knew that connecticut was such a fucked up place me but besides that um anyone who lives there Yes, we're going we're going in chronological order. I, I okay. felt frisky. So we're gonna start out in seventeen eighty-six. Wow, we're throwing it way back. We are throwing our asses back. Throw right. it in a circle. Um so and so Hannah Ocuish was a Pequot Native American girl born in March seventeen And she's she's believed to have been born with an intellectual disability. Uh, but on July 27th, 1986, so um, Hannah was about 12, she was accused of beating and choking to death a young white girl named Eunice Bowles six days prior on the 21st. Oof. Uh, according to University I'd like it if I could speak. Um, University of California, Davis history professor Karen Haltunen, Haltunen I think is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um Quote, at about 10 o'clock in the morning, the body of the murdered child was found in the public road leading from New London to Norwich, lying on its face near to a wall. The neighborhood turned out to hunt for the murderer. Hannah was questioned and claimed she had seen four boys near the scene of the crime. When a search failed to turn them up, Hannah was interrogated again and then taken to the Bulls home to be charged with homicide in the presence of the dead child. She burst Ooh. into tears and confessed. Only at this late point in the narrative is the reader offered a sequential account of the crime. Five weeks earlier, Eunice had reported Hannah for stealing fruit during the strawberry fest, and Hannah had plotted revenge. Catching sight of her young enemy headed for school one morning, Hannah had lured Eunice from her path with a gift of calico, then beat and choked her to death, end quote. Oof. And for those who don't know, calico is just like a, like a textile. It's, it's, it's basically like unprocessed, unbleached cotton. So uh-huh. you know, like oh, like look at this pretty, this pretty fabric. Um, so the wealthy Bold's family obviously pressed charges, and Hannah was sentenced to hang. Before she stepped off the platform, she turned to the sheriff and thanked him for being so nice to her. Oof, yeah. And she is believed to have been the youngest person in history to ever have been legally executed in the United States wow yeah okay so we're starting off strong with connecticut real fucked up yeah let's let's hang a brown girl um but next up it gets it gets more fucked but a little bit weird and interesting um just like connecticut (laughs) the further you go it gets more fucked up but a little bit weird and interesting um and that is the 1944 circus fire
1: oh okay i don't know I'm,
0: i'm still waiting to see if you've heard of these things um i have not uh, this one but a circus fire that that's definitely weird and interesting it's weird and interesting and it's actually one of connecticut's largest mass murders if not Whoa. the largest okay um on july 6 1944 a fire broke out at the ringling brothers and barnum and bailey circus in hartford connecticut um just a quick aside um pt barnum like started the circus we've all seen the greatest showman all that shit's happening in connecticut all of that uh, shit is happening in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, so after the fire broke out about 167 to 173, depending on which source I got my information from, they all gave me different numbers in that range. Yeah. So, okay. okay. Um, But they, uh, they all, um, all 167 to 173 of the approximately 8,700 attendees of the circus that day died Ooh. in the fire. Oh my God! Yeah, so 167 to 173 deaths, and then over 700 um, suffered from various injuries. On top of that, yeah, jeez. Yeah, so among the survivors actually was the famous family of daredevils that, for whatever reason, my mom talked a lot about when I was growing up. Probably to really? do with probably to do with me like jumping off couches and doing things I shouldn't have. But I just remember hearing the name a lot. Um, the Flying Walendas. Never heard of it. Okay. Okay. My mom would like mention the flying Walendas like on and off, but maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a Connecticut thing. Who knows? Maybe it is. Um, But one of the most famous victims, they were like the most famous survivors, but one of the most famous victims was a little blonde girl in a white dress known as Little Miss 1565, which is the number that was assigned to her at the makeshift morgue Hartford established to kind of like just Uh. deal with the dead and the injured after this fire. Oh, Lord. Yeah um so she became famous not just because she was you know a a fucking child who died in a fire and nobody came forward to identify her or claim her um or like whatever you want to call it but also because her face was like weirdly so well preserved when they found her body huh and it stayed that way after the fire was like out and done and they had they just had this body like she like uh, i kept thinking like snow white um yeah, very weird. And her identity continued to be a mystery. Um, she was eventually buried without a name in Hartford's Northwood Cemetery, where, where there's also a memorial to the victims of the fire. And two investigators, Sergeants Thomas Barber and Edward Lowe, took Little Miss 1565's photo and then also recorded her fingerprints and her footprints and her dental records and everything so that, like, they, if anything came forth, she could be identified yeah um and they actually ended up spending the rest of their lives trying to identify her and help her like after her death oh my god yes um they even decorated her grave for the holidays like christmas and fourth of july and memorial day um yeah all the way up until their deaths and at that point a local florist took over and like carried on the tradition of helping decorate her grave so like they wow. literally until their dying days they spent, like, everything they could trying to find her family. That's really sweet. Right? It's so sad. Yeah. Um, And the worst part is they didn't get to see it. She was identified in 1990. (gasps) Um, She was identified as 8-year-old Eleanor Emily Cook. And Cook's aunt and uncle had actually examined the body and didn't realize it was her, I guess. And then also the description they gave didn't match up with her so it was like a bunch yeah it was like a bunch of like like near misses yeah um and so but she was eventually um identified and so her body was exhumed and she was buried beside her brother edward who also died in the fire that day i mean at least there's some closure on that yeah yeah um and speaking of closure speaking of the fire how it started remained a mystery um basically authorities knew that it was arson they knew like it was intentionally started i as as arson would would suggest jesus christ yeah um and they just didn't know who did it and finally in 1950 so six years after the incident robert dale segge of circleville ohio came forward and said that's right twas i that set the house ablaze name that meme you don't know that meme with the cat i did okay. i know it
1: but i, I can't
0: <laughs> my brain is melting i'm i'm with you i'm with you i'm i'm hit with old age i understand but so yeah he went to the police and confessed that he was responsible for not just that fire but for a bunch of fires that he set as a kid um mm. like he just that was his thing was setting fires and it, it gets weird <laughs> so weirder 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 um so he said that he was working as a roustabout for the circus, and one night he had a dream about a Native American who, while riding a flaming horse, told him to start the fire. Huh. Yeah. Um, so then, that day, he was like just walking around, doing roustabout shit, working or whatever. And he said he just like blacked out, and his mind went blank. And then when he like theoretically like came to and like realized his surroundings and everything, the fire had already been started. Okay. Um, I don't know how accurate that is. Um, but uh, unreliable narrator. Okay. Uh However, officials had difficulty convicting him, um, even after being, he was convicted of a bunch of unrelated arson charges in Ohio, um, because there was the whole, like, mental illness thing that they hadn't really established, um, I don't, I don't want to say conduct, but you know what I mean? Like, they hadn't established, like, how to deal with that aspect of crime yet, um, But so he he was sentenced to, I think, like 40 something years in prison in like with the Ohio charges. So he was in there for a while and Mm -hmm. he later, like a couple years before he died, he died in 1997. And I think in like 1994, he went on record and was like, actually, I didn't have anything to do with the circus fire. I just happened (sighs) to be an arsonist who was working at the circus on that particular night. Okay, so. Eh, but little miss 1565 got got identified so i mean we got that we got that it'd be better if you know she didn't die but oh yeah i mean that's always preferable yeah yeah but it's good that they that she found peace um and we can we can please move on if you don't mind (laughs) let's do it so now we have jumped forward to 1968 and you can't laugh at this Oh no! But these are called the bra murders. The bra murders. Yes. Kay. Yes. um As 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 a as a girl, we've all been there. We've all felt. We've all, we've we've all, all, all felt like we, murder. Bra. Well, I I meant we all felt like we we're being murdered by our bras. But yes, that too. That also, um, yeah. So many, so many different kinds of bra murders, murdering bras. um yep. But in this particular one, I'm I make jokes because this is fucked up, um, and I'm uncomfortable. So there was a serial killer in Stamford, Connecticut, which is where my mother grew up and where my grandmother still lives. And if you come for my grandmother, I will cut you. And was your mother living we, in this area at this time? We have a connection to this case. <gasps>
1: Ooh, we love a connection. It's not. To a it's case. not that. It's not
0: that big of a connection. I shouldn't say that. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm overplaying it. But it's a fun story. Um, All right. Because my mom is actually the one that told me about this. This. Did you really? Yes, but it was and like she's an, not a true it, crime person. No, it was a quick aside <laughs> for another story that I will tell. <laughs> okay. I know I tell too many stories. I'm going to keep the personal stories and the tangents to a minimum. I know that's been requested. I just it's your birthday episode. It's fine. I, I do think it's a cool story. I will say um, the crimes, not so much. The, this is really fucked up. But um, so there was a serial killer that was murdering black female sex workers by strangling them with their bras so
1: i think i've heard of this because i i know i've told
0: you about it um but like i've heard of it in other like capacities besides that but so in february 1968 the first victim 22 year old donna roberts was found strangled by the merritt parkway which is a scenic two-lane highway that runs through i think most of connecticut right yeah i used used to take that to to go to um new haven yeah yeah um but so A few months after that, the body of 19-year-old Gloria Kahn was found near the same spot where Roberts was found. And then in 1969, the body of 31-year-old Sissy Rush was discovered, followed by 17-year-old Gail Thompson and 34-year-old Alma Henry, who were found a month apart in 1971. Mm. So late Stanford Police Department Chief George Meyer, Mayor... Whatever. Probably mayor because John Mayer is from Connecticut and John Mayer fucking sucks and I will go on record saying that. Whoa, whoa. John Record okay. uh, John Record. John Mayer and I have a beef. He doesn't know that we have a beef, but he and I sure. have a beef. As somebody who grew up like twenty minutes from where John Mayer grew up, we have a beef. Anyway, All right. moving on. No tangents. Um he believed that a Darien, Connecticut postal worker named Ben Miller, who suffered from schizophrenia, was responsible for these murders. Um okay. Miller was a in addition to a postal worker a self-proclaimed preacher and would hang out in downtown stamford which back then was a lot more dangerous than it is now now it's very gentrified yeah but um he would wave a bible at sex workers and shout at them to repent um and yeah it was like that kind of that kind of shit going on though allegedly he did um pay for the services of a sex worker at least once so Isn't that always the I way? was going to say that's the way these things tend to go is the 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 preacher tends to be the hypocritical one. Um, but either way, in 1972, Miller was admitted to a mental hospital, and it was at that point that a doctor worked in tandem with the police to um, orchestrate a confession from Miller. Miller suffered sound it yeah fully kosher it's not fully kosher Miller suffered from delusions and paranoia and later said that he just told the police what they wanted to hear because he was afraid exactly yeah um so they but they plowed on through with it and the case seemed closed until four months after Miller was charged with the murders during what was a highly publicized trial um A Stanford electrician named Robert Lupinacci was discovered trying to strangle a young black woman by the parkway, and mm. police even found hair that was linked to be from a black woman in his trunk along with a deck of cards that were like playing cards, but they were porny. <laughs> okay how to describe this um but you know it was like sexy playing cards you know what
1: very quick tangent i was just on a road trip and we stopped at like a gas station in the middle of nowhere and like we had to like get coffee or whatever and they had like uh, air fresheners, and they had one of like a lady's yes. naked body, yes, and like a naked butt, yes, like as
0: an air freshener. Lisa, there was a picture so of like, one that Elisa posted, and it was like they covered because yeah, I pointed it out to her. Yeah, but they like they covered for the naked body. They like didn't they redacted cover- right under the nipple? Yeah, it was they hilarious. like didn't cover the right parts of the body. And I'm like, well, then what's the point of trying to like censor it's so this? Funny. I don't know. I'm but I'm anyway, though, th- yeah, those things exist. They do so exist. I believe that- I believe the porny playing yes, cards. Yes, I sure. just don't know yeah, I just didn't know what to call them. If there's a name for them, let me know. Um but it, that was key because the deck was missing a queen of hearts um and a queen of hearts from a similar porny deck of cards had been found. There can't be more than one. Oh, I, I, you would think. <laughs> um But the Queen of Hearts was found near the body, like next to the body of one of the victims. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that sounds like a smoking gun. Yeah, and furthermore, Lupinacci was known to patronize black sex workers exclusively. And witnesses, some of them even, like some witnesses even placed his car near the murder scenes and then at the bars and the hotels where the victims frequently worked. Wow. And
1: that also kind of makes the police look like shit, because they were in the middle of this huge trial, and then all of a sudden, like, somebody else is dead now, and it's not the person that you have in custody. No, it's the end of the
0: trial. Four months after the trial. Worse.
1: Ooh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's a lot worse. But it does get
0: worse. It does get worse than that. Um, Basically it was too easy for the police to pin the blame on miller and be like and i'm not saying this like as i from their point of view like oh blame the crazy guy and i don't think he's well he's he's mentally ill i don't think crazy is the right term for it but you know what you understand you get me um you just get me um so no you see somebody uh suffering from
1: mental health issues and you're like oh well perfect well, and now let's just weasel a confession out of this guy yeah, he'll say anything yeah
0: and they can't defend themselves adequately and yeah they just want to close the case as quickly as exactly. possible. exactly and that's exactly what happened um they found it just too easy so lupinacci got off relatively scot-free he served three years for assault and then moved to norwalk and remarried um it's, it's still in connecticut lived out his life as a free man until he died at 79 in february 2014 wow yeah. okay all right meanwhile miller spent 16 years serving a sentence that for a crime he didn't commit in a state mental institution before a federal court ruled that his public defender and the state prosecutors actively ignored evidence about lupinacci possibly being a suspect during the trial and set him free that's disgusting. after 16 years incarcerated wow. yes you lost so much of your life yes and, wow and so ben miller ultimately passed away in february 2010 mm. after having spent all of that time just in it, i it, it really it, it grinds my gears it really yeah does. because
1: because people were too lazy to actually find out what the hell was
0: going on and it's and I mean, we talk about the stigmatization of mental health all the time. I'm sure that had something to do with it, too. That played a role. We should get this guy off the streets anyway. No, just get him
1: fucking help. They're like, oh, we're doing everybody a favor.
0: No, you're not doing anybody a favor, especially those victims. And I should say the the first victim, um, Donna Roberts, she was also murdered a month after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated so Mm. that like started a bunch of race riots and things like that in the area um which my mother was also not not on the she was semi a part of because she worked at the local bloomingdale's and they had to like board up the store and everything and it was apparently frightening for her um but my mom's connection to this if we can just divert really quick so my mom at the time was in college ish Um, during these murders she was like I think like a freshman and she commuted from from Iona College to so I guess she wasn't a freshman she like a sophomore she commuted from Iona College to her home in Stanford which is roughly about maybe an hour Mm -hmm. and she so she drove and she had this this car that broke down a lot and one day it broke down on the parkway right by where these women's bodies were being found Mm. yes and my mom lost her ever-loving shit understandably understandably so um, I think it's also safe to yeah, mention that my mom at the time also looked, whether she knew it or not, like one of Ted Bundy's like ideal victims, <laughs> like yeah. brown hair, long parted down the middle. Um, uh-huh. just,
1: well, that was the style then. Yeah. And that's why like women started changing their hair because of
0: Ted Bundy and everything. Yeah, but she was just a walk and talking target. Um, so my mom was on the side of the road, like freaking out. And so this woman pulls up in a, I believe, a truck with a german shepherd in the back and my mother has a deathly fear of german shepherds she i believe was attacked which is hilarious a child. considering the size of the dogs you have i i know well no because of their ability so her uncle used to be either an fbi or a cia agent and he this is another tangent within a tangent it's tangent inception um he, he used to be an fbi or a cia agent and, and will actually at some point cover a case that he worked on that was very prolific but he had Ooh, a former police dog right. as a pet and it was a german shepherd and one day it just up and attacked him and went for the jugular and oh, no reason why like and so then he rehomed it to a former i think a former cop or something and a few years later the dog did the same thing to that guy
1: and i'm I mean, not saying dogs yeah, can get not like dog's ptsd and f- yeah, stuff too it's not
0: the dog's fault i'm not saying it's the dog's fault but i'm saying my mother has a, has a fear of german shepherds for a reason but yes i grew up with giant puppies like 200 pounds newfoundland newfoundlands great pyrenees look them up they're fucking huge yes um which is why yes it is comical because they could eat a german shepherd for breakfast little did she know her future um yes so this so she's afraid of this she's dog. afraid of this dog and this woman car's is like broken down. cars broken down and this woman is like i can drive you to my home and you can call like somebody to come pick you up and and yes. like pick up your car and so my mom was like, "I don't know if I should do this, but it's either get yeah, murdered late 60s by the bra no strangler phones. or get murdered by a German Shepherd." So I guess I'm going with the latter. Um, it would have been easier, mom, if you just didn't wear a bra. Um, but so she goes to this woman's house. I think I think he would have found a way. Killed him regardless. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna wager
1: a guess that that's not stopping him.
0: I I I mean, arguably, my mother again, she was Ted Bundy's type more than anybody else's
1: yeah not this yeah. guy
0: he was looking for black sex workers yeah. but if I, if I know my mother <laughs> um she would find a way um to to be like oh but what about me um, be a victim. we gotta cut <laughs> this out um but so she gets to this woman's house and right away my mom is a little like not unnerved but her All of her couches, like, they they covered their couches and things like that back then, but all of their furniture is covered in, like, almost like canvas, like a thick material. And my mom wasn't like, I'm going to die, but she was just like, oh, that's a really fucking weird way to decorate your home. So my mom, the woman's like, the phone is right down here, and she goes downstairs or whatever, and the family had a mountain lion as a pet. And Uh, my mom freaked the fuck out and like is like there hanging with the mountain lion. So she calls, I guess, like her house first. Nobody picks up. So she calls her neighbor across the street and she just says to him, look, I need you to come here and I need you to do it as fast as you can. I need you to get here right now because there is a mountain lion in this house. And he is laughing at her and he's like, you're fucking crazy. And. So he comes to pick her up and my mom is swearing up and down for years her family did not believe her he didn't believe her nobody believed her that this mountain lion was in this house until one day the family made the news for having a pet mountain lion and it was yeah. like a whole thing and I think I don't remember if it was because they got in trouble for having it or what but it was like it was like a public like point of interest that they were like did you hear that this family has a mountain lion for a pet why well,
1: I I also think uh just to end the tangent real quick yes. I think in the 60s and 70s like it was not acceptable to have those animals but like it was easier to get wildlife
0: Arguably also acceptable because Melanie Griffith and her mother, Tippi Hedren, they, Melanie Griffith grew up with large cats because her parents worked on a documentary about large jungle cats. She had lions. She had like, like, look it up. This is pre-Tiger King bullshit. This is pre-Tiger King bullshit, but also like they loved on these animals it was nothing like tiger king they very much cared for them like if you look up the pictures she's like laying on this lion doing her homework like very much like the the, they were family pets very dangerous um like they ended up attacking their old trainer at a house party and being sent elsewhere not to the farm um but like to to to, the farm not to the farm but yeah, so that's my mother's semi-connection, is that she her, she happened to break down right by here and ended up being with a mountain lion. In the era. Yes. In, in, during this time. During this time. Yeah. I think it was before Crazy. Ben Miller had been um, arrested. Yeah. But um, yeah, and she thought she would die from the bra strangler, and then from a German shepherd, and then from a mountain lion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's just in peril constantly. Constant peril, my mother. Um, but moving right along, next we've got 1977. and. Okay. This is one of the strangest murders in Connecticut history. Um, And so basically, Lauren Aquin, who was 27, murdered the wife, children, and niece of his foster brother. Okay. So in the early hours of July 22nd, 1977, like literally like like 4 a.m., like very early, um, neighbors awoke to the smell of smoke coming from the Boydon the Boydon Bojoin family home in Prospect Connecticut and mm-hmm. after the firefighters knocked down the door they discovered the bodies of 29 year old Cheryl Bojoin her seven children 12 year old Frederick Allen um 10 year old Sharon Lee 9 year old Deborah Ann 8 year old Paul Albert 6 year old Roderick 5 year old Holly Lynn and 4 year old Mary Lou along with her husband's or hers i'm not quite sure i couldn't find quite the right information for that um but six-year-old niece jennifer santoro Mm. frederick bodoin senior meanwhile her husband was working the third shift at the time of the incident um so he he was at work he had no idea that his family was in danger he had no like idea like he wasn't there to protect them yeah can you imagine can like that's horrible awful Um, So Aquin was arrested within hours of them, like, putting out the fire and discovering these bodies. And he ended up giving police a seven-page written confession in which he admitted to beating all of his victims with a wrench and a tire iron, among other tools. And basically, he showed up at the house, uh, or he, rather, he, he was at the house visiting not unannounced like they knew he would be there at like 7 p.m on july 21st okay he left by like 8 30 he wasn't there very long and then at like 2 or 3 a.m he broke in through an unlocked cellar door and Oof. cheryl bodoyne suddenly discovers him in the kitchen but she apparently wasn't like freaked out about it she was just like oh lauren okay hey and he, like that. yeah, he told her he needed tools to fix his car. So she was like, OK, go right ahead. And then he asked her for a beer. So she went into the fridge to get the beer and he beat her over the head with a wrench. So that. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, then he went to the children and he beat them with the wrench and the tire iron and also molested um, their 10 year old daughter, Cheryl. I mean, Sharon Beaudoin. Um, oh then he poured and there's like there was like 12 kids you said there eight kids seven were Cheryl's children one was a niece um, that's a lot yeah a lot to happen yeah in that amount of time yeah um, and it gets worse because then he poured uh. gasoline all over the children and set the house on fire and what a sick fucker horrible person yes um, and what's even better I say sarcastically is that He insisted he had no memory of that night. He didn't remember anything that happened. And even if I thought that was true, the judge clearly didn't because he was sentenced to 25 years to life on every single murder conviction and then another 20 years for arson. So 105 years in total. Yeah. Rotten. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which he served at the McDougal Walker Correctional Institution until he died of a severe brain bleed in June 2015. Get fucked, Lorne. 2015. Jeez. Yeah, this was only in the late 70s. This was 77, and That's he was still crazy. and he was. Oh fuck, he was my age. Oh my. <laughs> I was about to be like, he's 27. Oh, <laughs> hey. Oh no. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um. So then next up, we're gonna get into. 1986 specifically okay. the wood chipper murder yeah i know this one um yeah you know this one i know this one um i'm not gonna go super in depth with this one because i plan on doing a full-blown episode about it at some point but if the story Ooh, sounds spoiler. familiar you will y- if you think the story sounds familiar because of bleep redacted you're correct okay. um how's that for a spoiler so sure, it's not a spoiler. It's a primer. Oh, I like it. I like it. We yeah. love a good primer. It's an appetizer. Even though I'm allergic to most primers, except for Urban Decay. Thank you, Urban Decay. Not sponsored. We love a good primer. You know what? It's funny. You think face primer. I think wall primer. Oh no! Two people. <laughs> 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 oh no! How can this work? How can this possibly work? Um. Well, either way, on November nineteenth, nineteen eighty-six hell helly i saw two different pronunciations crafts um who was a flight attendant was murdered by her husband richard crafts a pilot in newtown connecticut a few months after she hired a private investigator who provided her with photographic evidence that richard was cheating Ooh! i could call him dick throughout the rest of this i mean technically it, it, I think you should. it works i mean i didn't know his nickname but dick works um so, yeah, so friends... Ha- Maybe his dick don't work. Oh! oh! um, We're terrible. But, um, so... He's a piece of shit, so I don't give yes. up. Yes. I don't, I don't really yes. care. Yes, so the evening of November 19th, friends had dropped her off at home after she'd worked a flight going from, like, America, to America from Frankfurt, West Germany. So she'd been... Wow, yeah, she'd okay. been working. She'd been in the sky for a she'd while? She'd been in the sky for a while. And then... When she came home, Richard beat his wife to death and stuffed her body in a freezer until she was frozen solid.
1: Because he found out about the uh, that's, the private investigator? That's what
0: was alluded in some of my sources. I mean, I'll dive further into, like, if he had, because he wasn't very chatty.
1: You know what's so much easier than that? Divorce.
0: Leave. Yeah. Leave in the dead of night. Yeah. And I'm Better. talking about the husband. I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming Helly Hell no no Um, she girl was just
1: getting off work and coming home like if you're gonna cheat just fucking leave yes why why do you have to kill your spouse
0: just go having your cake and eating it too is vastly overrated i will tell you that right now um as somebody with fuck tons of cake and cookies and like just sugar truffles in her fridge um birthday but so yeah um After giving a litany of excuses as to where his wife was, uh, because it's also, like, around the holidays, so there's holiday parties, and then, like, she's not showing up to work. You think you're going to cover this up, Her mother was looking for her and was like, why hasn't my daughter spoken to me? Um, Finally, Helly was reported missing on December 1st, 1986, and it was ultimately discovered that Richard TLDR used a rented wood chipper to dispose of Helly's frozen body at Lake Orr. Wow. That's why she was frozen solid because yeah. just yeah. goes through. Yeah. Um, so the case ended up being Connecticut's first murder conviction without the victim's body being present. Interesting. And that okay. Okay. Is thanks to Dr. Henry C. Lee, who we've talked about before. He taught at my alma mater. He founded this forensic science program for those who don't know, but um, mm-hmm. he led this forensic investigation and that's literally, it was that's forensics awesome. that solved this case. Um, without getting too much into it i know that um i believe it was like she was wearing pink nail polish and on the beach of lake zor they found fragments of the teeth and um no fragments of teeth and fragments of her nails with the nail polish oh. still on it and strands of hair and i think like she was type o blood and they found some of that oh too my but God. like literally like so finely like yeah. Ground up. And he just was like, ah, I am Dr. Lee. And I've solved the case again. And, yes. like, <laughs> no more, no more spoilers because we have yeah, that's to, it. We have to that's do it. A, an episode Yes. On and, al- and, that is and also because this dude deserves a TV show. And I mean, Dr. Lee, not this motherfucker, yes. ri- Dick Craft. Not Dick. Not Dick. Dick Kraft. um But <laughs> Dick Craft. It sounds like it.
1: <laughs> it sounds like, like a, an activity you do at a Bachelor party. It does.
0: It does. That's what I was going to say. Dick <laughs> So, next we're hopping into Y2K, specifically 1999. And everybody was freaking out because everybody thought the world was going to explode once 2000 hit because nobody knew what was going to happen, if the numbers no, would roll computers? over or not. Computers were coming What's for that? us. What's that? Never heard of them. Did you know that they can track our every move? Um, no. But this is a this is a short, sad one. I, should, I don't know why I'm making jokes. Um, on June 10th, 1999, 32-year-old Kelly Silk, who had a long history of... Uh, mental illness that had actually been like recorded by the police. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like it was well documented that she was not well. Um, she stabbed her husband in their East Hartford, Connecticut home, and then set the house on fire where she and her, then two of her three children or fourth children two two of her four children died in the fire. Mm, okay. um, her eight year old daughter managed to escape and ran to a neighbor's home and got help, and then they were able to help save her six-month-old baby brother. (gasps) Yes. Wow, what a hero that kid is. Yes, and so he made a full recovery. He was sent to a burn unit in Boston and survived, as did she. Wow. But yeah, that was one that I remember hearing about a bit. Um, But next we've got kind of a crime. Okay. And this is in 2004, and I just think this is a fun fact that I love to tell people so fci danbury is a is a white collar prison a very nice prison um okay. in danbury connecticut it was danbury's bougie danbury's not bougie no <laughs> no it's not no darien i feel like darien is bougie oh, di- yeah okay, okay. Is i'm bougie. thinking of the wrong town no darien is de- sorry. darien is bougie danbury is decidedly not bougie um danbury there's there's been a lot of famous crimes um <laughs>
1: okay th-
0: is it the camden of uh connecticut? it might be it might ju- it just might be the camden of connecticut Ooh, um i need okay. to spend more time in camden um no. i don't need to no, spend you, more you time you really in Danbury. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um it's not that bad i'm i'm making jokes um but like if you want to see bad like seth mcfarland grew up in connecticut the guy that made family guy and he constantly shits on bridgeport connecticut for being so scary and dangerous and like lots bridgeport's of gang activities a little rough, yeah. bridgeport's rough Um, though that's everything's becoming gentrified which is really just fucking upsetting but um so fci danbury is where or it's where piper kerman was sent and she's the woman who wrote orange is the new black which i don't know if you know was made into a huge tv show that is the that is the prison that orange is the new black is partially based on in the in the fictional series and so if for those who've seen it Um, No spoilers. I'm pretty sure you've heard of this. Martha Stewart went to prison for tax evasion or something like that. Fraud, something. But she requested to be sent to this prison, FCI Danbury, because it was so bougie. And that's why in one of the seasons they have this like celebrity chef who's more of a Paula Deen lampoon because Paula Deen said the N-word and like we all had to pile on at that point. Um, Not that not that. Saying the N-word is bad, but you know what I mean. Like, they all saw the joke about Paula Dean and they ran with it. Um, She, she, that's, like, who the character is based on, really, is Martha Stewart being sent to prison. And Martha Stewart really wanted to go to that prison and they sent her. They said, no, they sent her to, like, a nice prison in Maryland or something instead. But that's how bougie it is, is that Martha Stewart wanted to go there. Yeah. That's how bougie we at. And next up, moving right along to 2007- Um, we have one that I've definitely mentioned before, and I'll probably do a full episode on, and it's called the Cheshire Home Invasion Murders.
1: Yeah, it's probably the first one that came to my head when I was thinking of Connecticut. It's often the first
0: one that comes to everybody's heads. It's either that or the woodchip murder, I'd say. Um, and so this one's, this one's a rough one. I'm not going to lie. And I also have a connection to this one. Now, I don't have a connection to it, but like a family, a family friend does, um, So on July 22nd, 2007, Jennifer Hawk Pettit, a nurse and the co-director of the health center at Cheshire Academy, which is like a really fancy girls boarding school in Connecticut. Uh So she and her two daughters, Haley, who was 17 and Michaela, who was 11, were out getting groceries at a local stop and shop for their dinner that night when they were targeted and followed home by Stephen Hayes and Joshua Komisariewski. And they followed them home. They didn't bother them. They came back at three am to break into the house and after breaking in, used a baseball bat to smash Jennifer's husband and Haley and Michaela's father Dr. William Pettit's head in mm-hmm. before tying him up in the basement. um then they tied the two girls to their beds and they ransacked the house for cash they tied up they tied up Jennifer as well um they, ransacked the house for cash and found a check register with forty thousand dollars and decided to wait until morning to force hawk pettit to go to the bank and withdraw fifteen thousand dollars and they told her they would kill her family if she didn't do it
1: (sighs) waiting until the morning that's so scary yeah yeah um but this is also like one of my like fears but yeah Yeah. this is one of my huge fears like yeah, they they follow you home at like a regular hour, mm-hmm. and then they case it mm-hmm. and wait, and then they break in. Mm-hmm. It's they're not it's not like they're gonna corner you in the parking lot and and attack you there. No, they follow you to where you live. Yeah, like that is
0: horrifying. Yeah, it's it literally awful. makes my skin crawl. I have goosebumps. Yeah, it's awful. Um, so Hawk Pettit is a badass, and she alerted the bank teller that there were men holding her family hostage while she was making this withdrawal and yeah. was just like they are threatening our lives like you need to help us and she actually ironically said that they were actually being kind of nice and it seemed like they just wanted money um never n- never just want money n- no um as you will find soon um all of this was caught on the surveillance cameras at the bank and basically like I remember seeing in it. tandem with her making this withdrawal and leaving they were calling the cops and like yeah. the nine one one call, they're like literally like it, it's it's doing get her there yes. yesterday. <laughs> um so when she returned home with Hayes, um Hayes sexually assaulted Hawk Pettit before strangling her to death. Mm-hmm. Komisaryevsky, that at at about the same time sexually assaulted Michaela, the youngest daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, allegedly that was like Hayes was all like, "Oh, like I want money." Komissaryevsky was very much like, "I want to have sex with this girl." That that was what Ugh. motivated him for this crime. Yeah, and he yeah. she was eleven, but he later said he believed her to be like fourteen or sixteen. That's still not okay. Not old enough. Not
1: okay. And also, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, nothing's old
0: enough for non-consensual no, sex. No, no, no. Yeah, no. But it just, his, their excuses were shit. Um, So then Dr. Pettit. Yeah, you can't explain this one away. This is. No, no, you really can't. This is horrible. Absolutely. And it, and I hate to say it, it only gets worse. Um, Yeah. So Dr. Pettit heard uh, Hayes telling his wife that it, like, oh, it'll all be over in a couple of minutes. And he didn't really, like, understand what that meant, from what I gathered. Because he had been bashed in the head. Well, he'd been bashed in the head, but he knew that they were being threatened with being murdered. If she yes, and so I I from what I gathered because I I don't know how to say this like the way the way this is going to come out is going to make it sound like he heard his wife and daughter being raped and made a run for it and that is not what happened. Um, he he basically thought that they were going to shoot him and his family in the head. So when this dude he he thought they were distracted upstairs talking to his wife and daughters and he broke out of the basement and made a run for it to a neighbor. Yeah, to get help. Yes. And he was so badly beaten, actually, that the neighbor didn't recognize him when he first saw him.
1: Ah. Yeah.
0: Meanwhile, Hayes and Komisaryevsky, uh, Hawk Pettit is dead. Michaela has been sexually assaulted. Um, They've robbed the place. Their fingerprints are all over everything. Um, Yeah. So they decide to destroy the evidence by pouring gasoline all over the house and Haley and Michaela and lit the house on fire. Um, It was later found that Haley and Michaela were alive when the fire started and when they suffered the majority of the burns to their bodies. Um, The killers ended up fleeing in a car and crashing into police cruisers who had already surrounded the house. Yeah. Um, So they were arrested immediately and at the time sentenced to death. But since Connecticut later abolished the death penalty, their sentence was changed to life in prison. So they're still in prison today. Um, Dr. Pettit quit his endocrinology practice. He was, like, doing a bunch of things. He was, like, working at, like, a medical institute or something like that, too. He was yeah. very successful. And he decided to quit his practice. He didn't return after the murders and yeah. devoted his time to the various foundations that were established in his wife and daughter's memories. And yeah. he now serves as the um, state representative for for connecticut for plainville and new britain connecticut and the house of reps Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so it's and and then very uh, again i'm sorry for the tangents i do think this is interesting though so my brother um has a friend at school or had a friend at school i don't believe they go to the same school anymore um but his mother and my mother were talking about this they used to talk pretty regularly when they're when my brother and her son were classmates yeah she's a dental hygienist and she is from Cheshire, Connecticut. And mm-hmm. she was talking to my mother that day. And it turns out that she actually, um, the day before the the Hawk Pettits were murdered, um, she, Jennifer and Haley and Michaela went in to get their teeth cleaned. And my mom, my brother's friend's mom, whatever you want to call her, um, she was the woman who cleaned their teeth. She was the hygienist who cleaned oh, their wow. teeth. And like literally... She was one of the last people to see them alive, yeah, yeah, which is just so fucked,
1: and that always sticks I out I to o- me. I always forget it was in two thousand seven, yeah, yeah, like wild, yeah, that's
0: not that long ago, no, it's not, and even I had a brief stint working for my alma mater after college brief, brief stint, um, <laughs> cannot emphasize how brief the stint was um but i had to go to cheshire for something and there were still like memorials and things like just yeah out I bet. and about and that was in 2016 2016 but still almost a decade yeah. later like it's very much like people still remember like like do memorials they still talk about it and everything it's just it's, yeah it's, it's very it's it's still very much like a, a sore subject um in connecticut but next up on not a light note i don't know why i said that it's not a light note Uh, i didn't say i didn't say it but you know what i mean there there aren't kids involved so i guess that's where i was trying to head with this but now we're in 2010 um and in august 2010 omar thornton was caught stealing beer from hartford distributors in manchester which is a deer a beer distribution company that he worked for Uh and so basically they figured it out omar was not slick and they called him like the 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 big the head honchos called him into their office and were like, "You can quit, or we can fire you." Okay. And so he decided uh, to like to quit. He signed the papers saying he quit. And then after they escorted him off the president, that the pre- off off the president off the premises, um, uh-huh. they were just like, "Okay, like we're done with him or whatever." And then it turns out that thornton thornton had a thorn in his side uh-huh, oh. uh-huh um hate myself he says this i mean i say this but he truly he wasn't well um he returned to the building after like a couple hours after they escorted him off the premises so like the same day and mm-hmm. he proceeded to shoot and kill eight of his coworkers. Before eventually shooting himself. But before that, he barricaded himself in an office and called his mother to explain to her that he was going to kill himself after he had oh murdered his co workers. And then after talking to her, he called 911 and told the dispatcher that he did this, quote, because of racism and that he wished he had killed more people, end quote. Jeez. Yeah. And then he killed himself. Okay. Fun, right? Aren't we having so fun? Much um why do we do this i was gonna say why do i do this so next we've got we're we're a year later and now we are going to talk about tyree smith or as he's a little bit better known tyree the cannibal Ooh, okay yeah i don't know why we're oohing but so tyree smith grew up in bridgeport connecticut and then moved away during his childhood and when he was 36 years old he decided to move back and live in his old childhood home but it had been abandoned for quite some time so in december 2011 he broke in and found that there was a homeless man already living there um but it you know like he he had various routes to go to go down um yeah one route i would not expect is to take an axe and smash the homeless person's face in
1: yeah i would say don't
0: start with that one no and maybe never do that one and to follow up i would not suggest then taking out oh spoiler alert um not spoiler alert uh if you're if you're, if you're yeah trigger warning thank you that's the word um if you're queasy if you don't like cannibalism not that anybody should um no skip ahead like 15 yeah skip ahead like 15 yeah. seconds because um oh, I'm, I'm gonna give you a second all right okay so yeah so smith then took out the homeless person's eyes and ate them he later said they quote tasted like oysters end quote which having had uh. oysters i'm gonna go ahead and disagree um <laughs> have you also had eyes i haven't had eyes but i have a feeling you know you can eat like fish eyes and stuff yeah but i think i'm good i think i'm good yeah i I think i don't think i ever have to do that um no, no and i know that's a delicacy in some places it's just to me i feel like it's it's very childish it's very stupid but i'm just like okay like they're looking at me as i'm about to eat them it doesn't matter that they're dead also, it's in your belly. No, because I, I feel like you eyeballs you'd, are in your belly. I don't think you'd swallow it whole, would you? I know, but still, like, like in my brain, okay. that's, All right, that's that's fair, how it that's is. That's fair. Neither of us are well in case anybody had any doubts. Um so once he was finished eating the eyeballs, um, he then drank some sake to wash away the taste and sure. went to Subway, which was Fun fact, founded in Connecticut. I take no responsibility for Jared. Nobody does. That's um, a true crime. That's a true crime. But he went to Subway and just got a sub. Mm. And that was that. And okay. so he was ultimately caught. And when the authorities asked him about like his motive and like what what made him feel so compelled, he said that quote, voices, end quote, told him to kill him and eat him, the the gentleman. Um, so, understandably, Tyree Smith was found not guilty by reason of insanity, so he was sentenced to 45 years in a state mental health facility. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we got that. Yeah. Next up is one that I have mentioned before that I'm sure you all know I love to talk about very much looking forward to talking about in the future which is why i'm going to make this very brief and there's no other reason why i'm going to make this very brief but but just that i'm talking about it in the future Uh and and um that would be sandy hook (laughs)
1: yeah i think that's
0: the number one that everyone thinks of that's the number one that everyone thinks of um before that it was cheshire but um yeah yeah so on the morning of december 14th 2012 20 year old adam lanza um walked into sandy hook elementary school after murdering his mother at home and shot and killed 20 20 children and six adults and before he could be caught he shot himself in the head and that's about as far as i'd like to go please
1: yeah i (laughs) I don't know what i'm gonna do in december but (laughs) that's like that's like the general
0: story uh that's the gist of it sucks i mean it doesn't get better from there it, it really it doesn't get better it doesn't get worse there were some in-betweens that we can talk about in the future um but yeah and just the really keeping those children and teachers in my thoughts at all times pretty much never not thinking about them yeah um because i grew up like 20 minutes from sandy hook and i i've mentioned this before mary sherlock the principal lived around the corner from my house yeah i think it's it's
1: it's like that happens a lot with cases that happen close like i'm sure the whole community around columbine feels similarly and like i know for a fact people on the east coast have a different connection to 9-11 than people on the west coast yes there's like a a deeper connection when it's something that happens in your
0: own backyard absolutely Yeah. yeah um so yeah so that's mostly it. Um just a quick gloss over this this case isn't done yet, but in May 2020 there was a a Yukon senior student named Peter Manfredonia and basically he was he's 20 he was 23. Now he's I guess 24. I guess that's how time works in math. Uh-huh. Um but so in May on May 18th his girlfriend broke up with him because she found out he had hacked into her social media. And uh, was like that's a yeah. big no no. Yeah. So then she, a couple days later, she sent him a screenshot of a Connecticut state law saying that, like, doing that was a crime. And even though she was um, considering a restraining order, he never responded to her. He never reached out. Okay. And so then at about, like, 9 a.m. on May 22nd, he um, was pulled over on the side of the road um, saying a a gentleman, 62-year-old Ted Demers saw him and was like i can give you a ride on my atv and manfredonia was like oh thanks like i dumped my motorcycle blah 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 uh-huh. and this is like on the road on the street and homeboy rips out a samurai sword and just starts going to town and okay like slashing and then a second man who was demurs neighbor um i forget his i've again this is all kind of like off the top of my head yeah um franco i know was his last name because i had a teacher whose last name is franco hi miss franco um love her she's the reason why i'm believe it or not good at writing i know it doesn't seem like it but i am um john franco that's his name so james franco no no that's <laughs> another one that i got beef with but that's for a totally different reason <laughs> i'm pretty sure everybody should have beef with james franco um so he went to help Demers, and like other people were just like yelling at him to stop police were called and everything and when demur when manfredonia noticed that other people besides the two men he was fighting the 62 year old and 80 year old men that he was fighting uh-huh um as a 23 year old you know like an adult um he went towards them to like attack them with the sword and they went and hid in their home and then he like got like he he got away he ran away Uh uh-huh um and police when they were called they found manfredonia's cell phone they found his driver's license and everything and they were like okay so that's who this guy is um demurs did die from his from his injuries Mm. franco was critically injured but survived and so then the morning of may 24th the police received a phone call from a man from willington connecticut saying that manfredoni had held him against his will for hours and stole his guns stole his car or his truck or whatever his truck stole food from him and then just left jeez yeah so he he wasn't hurt he didn't get the business end of the samurai sword but um then near osborne dale state park in derby at about 6:45 a.m. they found the truck and it had been abandoned and it turns out that was about a mile away from 23-year-old Nicholas isel's home okay so rewinding a little bit to 6 a.m. isel's girlfriend who throughout this entire case it's still going on she's remained anonymous she woke up to her boyfriend telling somebody to relax and to calm down and, like, trying to, like, placate some yeah. person.
1: Not something you want to
0: wake up to. No, especially at 6 a.m. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Um. So she finds that her boyfriend is in a, like, standoff, basically, with his childhood friend from Newtown, Manfredonia. Okay. So... He she went to call nine one one. Manfredonia noticed and went to harm her, and her boyfriend basically was like, "No, don't stop." And Manfredonia ripped, um, not ripped. He he shot her, shot her boyfriend in the head. Oof. Um, basically he he like had ripped the phone out of her hands. He was actively fighting her. She was in a fetal position in front of the door, and um, she later said in the um the arrest warrant quote it was like manfredonia was trying to come after or it later said in the arrest warrant it was like manfredonia was trying to come after her and nick tried to stop him and then she dot 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 she curled into a ball near the front door end quote um so then she started screaming to try to get their neighbor's attention their downstairs neighbor's attention Uh and manfredonia shouted at her to shut up um, she asked if she could call 911 to get her boyfriend medical help, and Manfredonia said, quote, No, he's dead. I shot him in the head, end quote Jeez. just matter of factly. So then he ordered her to get in her car and like drive. And okay. she said they mostly took back roads, they headed west on Route 34 and then onto Route 111 and Route 25 through Newtown, which I'm sure everybody who doesn't live in Connecticut knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, she said she actually, smart girl, smart girl. She was, quote, driving erratically in an attempt to get stopped by the police, end yeah. quote. Which, fucking brilliant. Yep. Um, and then the, in the warrant, it said, quote, several times she contemplated driving into a tree and at one point wanted to drive into the Newtown Police Department, but Manfredonia had his seatbelt on and dis- she decided not to crash the vehicle, end okay. quote.
1: Wow. Can you imagine go- that going through your head? It's like, do I crash this car?
0: right right terrifying um so eventually he told her to drive south but throughout this this whole thing he would not tell her where they were going okay and he kept his gun in between his legs and just kept saying to her i don't want to have to kill you Mm. which is not not fun not ideal yeah not not great conditions to be driving under Right. And beyond that, if, as if the conditions couldn't get worse while she's driving, he's telling her about all of the fucked up things he's done in the past 24 hours. I mean, 36 hours. Jesus. Yeah. Um. So at this point, he has her driving into New York and then he has her driving into New Jersey. And finally, after seven hours, Manfredonia tells her to pull over at a New Jersey truck stop near the Pennsylvania border mm-hmm. and He he got some random person to help him get an Uber, which I'm just like, what the fuck? Why would you help somebody? Because also it was like my mom was telling. This was right around like when everything was getting shut down because of COVID. Yeah. Do you you remember COVID?
1: Oh my god. Do you remember COVID?
0: Um, What isn't that weird? (laughs) That was a wild time that we're definitely not still in. But um, it was like a manhunt. It was like a multi-state manhunt for this guy. Yeah. And so he drops her off and he gave her $200 for gas money and just took it, took off in the Uber. He just fucking dipped. Um, so finally he was found in, and again, this is very, this is very like brief. There's a lot more to this. Um, he like it, during this time like it's coming out that he has mental health issues no shit um that he like dealt with a lot of like suicidal and homicidal ideation mm-hmm. uh, ideation not ideation um and he just like basically like his girlfriend breaking up with him was like a straw that broke i don't think it was even her breaking up with him i think it was him getting caught doing something that was wrong yeah was the straw that broke the camel's and, like, back aggressively
1: so, trying to cover it up
0: Yes. So over the course of six days, he led them on a manhunt and was found in Pennsylvania. He, But I believe he actually made it as far as Maryland and then went back to Pennsylvania. OK. And if I remember if I remember this correctly. So he got extradited, extradited back to Connecticut like a bitch. Um, and then he was charged this. I have written down because I was like, I need to know some bits of this, but I'm trying to make this more organic. Yeah. He was charged with murder, felony murder, first degree kidnapping, home invasion, first degree robbery, and carrying a pistol without a permit, to which he pled not guilty, Sure. like a bitch. Why not? And he is currently being held on a $5 million bond, like a fucking bitch. All right. Well. Yeah.
1: You know what is weird? So his last name sounded familiar. I believe there's Uh -uh. like, like I know somebody with that last name so i looked it up to see if they're related i don't think so because the person i am thinking of is like new jersey based and it looks like that this He's family town is, yeah. yeah is like very much from newtown but you know what i found out oh great uh this came out may 27th 2020 yeah police said tuesday that the father of missing homicide uh suspect peter manfredonia has been arrested on sexual assault charges and other charges in april so the father Yay! was also arrested yeah. you know i love it when fucked up people breed man
0: isn't robert, that great?
1: robert manfredonia 54 was charged with second degree sexual assault risk of injury to a child and sale slash delivery of liquor to a minor so that the is. apple doesn't
0: fall too far from the from the fucking tree no it really doesn't it really doesn't no. and like it just uh th- yeah so this dude's an asshole but on a lighter note i've got one bonus for you Haley. well i don't know why this isn't for you because you know this i'm so excited but for it. For those who don't know yeah so as a bonus not really murdery but still still we kind need of a palate fun. cleanser it is it is a palate cleanser so annabelle was my neighbor annabelle the the doll yes annabelle the doll okay. i was waiting for you to be like uh i don't know any doll. other annabelles nope uh nope but yes i uh, shit you not i grew up 10 minutes away like if you went slow in your car from the warren's occult museum from ed and lorraine warren yeah. you know them those those warrens <laughs> those Warrens. Um, and that's where annabelle lived and i think also she she still lives though i i'm not sure because the museum isn't open anymore it closed down a few years ago because oh, of like so zoning upsetting. shit it but it was also like super weird because like basically the museum is in a house so the police were like yeah. hey like this isn't zoned for this and the street yeah, is too narrow and people and... are like parking up and down the street yeah and but also like part of it was also because it was getting like increasingly see- like Ed Ed Warren died in 2006, Lorraine Warren died in I think like 2019. It was relatively recently. Yeah. So then their son-in-law Tony took over like the quote-unquote family business. Um and he was he's like not a cool dude. Like he's pretty shady. Like, really? Yeah. Like a like a not in like a like a I'm going to shoot a 62 year old i would stab a 62 year old man with a samurai sword and then shoot my childhood best friend kind of way but like still still like very very like skeezy like car salesman-y okay um no offense to any car salesman listening i'm sure that you are the one percent the
1: stereotype of the yes he's the stereotype car salesman
0: yeah um just not a very honest dude so i really i don't know (laughs) what the 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 fuck is up with that Oh, shut the fuck up. We love Ed and Lorraine. Um, We love Ed and Lorraine. I um, love Ed and Lorraine. I love Ed and Lorraine. uh, Okay.
1: All right. Well.
0: So speaking of my love for Ed and Lorraine, um, Lorraine, Lorraine Warren's funeral was actually also held at the Catholic Church right by our house. Like literally, you go around the corner from our house, go around another corner, like a few feet down. And also, I have no concept of space in terms of like inches and feet so bear with me i'm i'm telling you it's like around the corner around the corner and then down the street and that's where the church is which is excellent directions i know perfect um but so she was buried out of this catholic church right by our house and then the cemetery she was buried in is also like 10 minutes from my house yeah my parents house now i don't live there i don't own the house um but it, it is also fucking haunted as hell. Let me tell you. And so basically, it's like the perfect resting place for Lorraine Warren. And so, yeah, that's Connecticut. Annabelle was my neighbor. All that other f- fucked up shit. Wait until
1: we get to New Jersey shit.
0: New Jersey, All of
1: the mob stuff that's gonna come
0: out. Ooh, love it. Everyone's you love wearing cement it. shoes. Ooh. Ooh, you actually. I don't know if I can say this. I don't know if I'll get sent up the river. I shit you not. Um, but I do. There is a little bit of mob shit in Connecticut, and of course, there is tri-state my, area, baby. Tri-state area, baby. But um, one of my brother's peers at school when he was a kid, his father is in like heavily in the mafia, like.
1: Yeah, I mean we're not name. gonna name
0: names, but I'm not naming names. I I very much like my fingers on my hands and my feet cementless. So I am keeping quiet, but that is a thing. And Yeah, that's a thing. I forgot right. that I forgot that was a thing. Thank you for reminding me of my other connections to crimes. Quimes. Perfect. Well, uh, That's it. The cat
1: has awoken. That means he has, the screaming the will start. <laughs> so we will End it here. Happy birthday.
0: Aw, thanks. Thank you for remembering. Of course. <laughs> As if this wasn't on the schedule. Though nope. I will say thank you to... Um, we had a couple people actually reach out, which is very sweet. Um, we, we had Ava reach out. But then also, Sin created a gorgeous, like, sketch up of my cats. It was on Instagram. It was on Instagram. And I, I just... Lost my ever loving mind about it for a good. I'm still talking about it, and this has been this so is days later. Like, I've shown it to everybody. I hey, like, Sin, I can't wait for mine. Haley has not shut up about getting one for I was bean. so jealous, don't give it to her. <laughs> I was so
1: jealous. If anyone wants to make bean art for me, um, he has his own Instagram.
0: I was gonna say he has Cat his own Instagram, he's got an underscore
1: bean. <laughs> um. He's also been tagged on our Instagram, so you can find it there. That's true, you're right. Art of my cat, and I will love you forever. (laughs) Must have cat art. I will 130% be hanging it up in my house too, because I'm that
0: level of cat mom. We're recording this on Mother's Day. And I was like, it's my first Mother's Day. Like, you have to be nice to me. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said to Michael too. I was like, it's Mother's Day. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I've already got a special place picked out, not to brag, but I have a special place picked out for God my for my sketches of my so kitties. So just My sketch of my kitties. It's a it's an in tandem. It's, it's very cute. It's very cool. I'm a I big fan. If you haven't seen it, feel free to you DM will. us and we'll send it over because I'm so fucking proud of it. And I've sent it to pretty much, I'm showing it to random people. Like I was at it. <laughs> was people in sh- the street. Look at this. I, I shit you not. I was at like a thrift thing, like a vintage, a vintage markety thing the other day and i was talking to this lady in line and i was like look at what this person made of my cats <laughs> that's not creepy at all yeah i'm not well i'm i'm one of the, anyway, the connecticut crazies we're also going but, along on this one so we yeah i'm need sorry to well i'm longish gone. yeah we got we got to go all right all right happy birthday culture bye bye see you next tuesday, tuesday. oh yeah
1: see you next tuesday
0: Yeah, that's when we do the thing until it's October. Bye. Bye.